We are in Yavamos Kuf Yud Dalad on Mabez 114b. As we will now conclude this chapter. Very exciting. We are concluding this parak and this whole discussion that uh, we've been dealing with for the past uh, couple of recordings. And we will now explain, well, how do we get on to this? The whole discussion that we're talking about is uh, children and whether or not there's an obligation uh, to prevent children from violating the Torah. If you see them doing something, is it a... Is it a communal obligation? Is there is there a parental obligation? Is there no obligation whatsoever? Um, and if there is no obligation, maybe there's an exception to this rule, for example, to actively uh, give it to them, to go ahead and initiate and give them whatever it is, uh, non-kosher, or to cause them to sin in some sort of way, let's say bringing a Kohen child to a cemetery that would also not be allowed, Um or even if the child knows that this is what the parent wants, so then that's also would be equivalent to not allowed. Where did this whole discussion come from? It seems that it sort of came out of left field. <coughs> so the Gemara now says, Tashma, it's really from our Mishnah. Because maybe we could prove from our Mishnah one way or the other. Why? What was the story with our Mishnah? Our Mishnah was Shnei Achen, Echad Pikeach Vechad Cherish, Nisuin Shteachios, Pikchos. So the case here. Now we get back to, a little bit to, to Yevamos and to Yibam. Two brothers are married to two sisters. So the two brothers, Reuben and Shimon, uh, Reuben is healthy and Shimon is a deaf mute. And they're married to two sisters, Rachel and Leah. Reuben is married to Rachel, Shimon is married to Leah. And the two sisters are also healthy. So the Mishnah said, If Shimon dies... Shimon is only related on a rabbinic level, is only married on a rabbinic level to his wife Leah. So he dies, so on a rabbinic level there's a mitzvah of Yibam. However, on a biblical level, Ruvain is already related to Leah because Ruvain's wife, Rachel, is sisters with Leah. So on a Torah level, there's a total exemption of Yibam. So we say, because on a Torah level there's a total exemption of Yibam, there's no Yibam here. She's completely permissible to... Uh, to get married to somebody else, you don't have to do chalitza, you don't have to do yibam, everything is fine. However, what happens if Ruvain dies? If Ruvain dies, what should Shimon do? Because this is now more complicated, because Ruvain was married to his wife on a biblical level, to Rachel. And Rachel, but Shimon, sorry, but Shimon and Leah are only rabbinically married, because Shimon is a cheresh, is a deaf mute. And so only on a rabbinic level do we say that Shimon's wife's sister is Leah. It's only on a rabbinic level. On a biblical level, excuse me, there should be an obligation to do Yibam. <coughs> so what did our Mishnah say? Our Mishnah said, it's a mess. With regards to the system, well, you're not allowed to do Yibam. With regards to Ruvain's wife, you cannot do Yibam uh, because on a rabbinic level, it's his wife's sister. However, you cannot do Chalitza either. Because a cherish can't do chalitza. Shimon can't do chalitza. So she, he, he is forbidden to her forever. And beyond that, he has to divorce his wife. His current wife he has to divorce because since the Zika connection, the connection to, to Ruvain's wife is stronger. It's on a biblical level. It's stronger than the connection that he has to his own wife, which is only on a rabbinic level. He now has to divorce his wife. And so it's a really big mess. That's what the mission said. So the says, I don't understand. Amai motzi es ishto beget. Why do you have to divorce your wife? We're dealing here with a cherish, with a deaf mute. Tesev gabe, 
katan ochel nevelasu, katan ochel nevelasu. Why don't we say that this is equivalent to a child because a cheresh a deaf mute is not obligated in the commandments, and it's equivalent to a child, and let them do whatever they want. We're not gonna, we're not giving it to them, but let them stay married. We won't say anything. We'll uh, we'll ignore it. And just like by a child, there was an opinion that said that you, they could do whatever they want, just ignore it, and you don't have to say anything. So to here, let them just stay married. What's the big deal? He's a cherish. He's not obligated in the commandments anyways. We have we don't have to oversee it. Uh, let them do whatever they want and let them stay married. So the says, no. No, because she he is married to his wife. His wife is uh, completely healthy. And so there's a problem, not for him, perhaps, but it's for her. The problem is really for her. Uh, because she cannot stay married. And it takes two to tango. So uh, she cannot stay married. So they have to get divorced because of her. But not because of him. But in reality, if it was if it was just him, if we were just to focus on him, and we'll see that there's a case that we'll get to in a few minutes where both the husband and the wife are a cherish. They're both deaf-mute. So we would really say that, you know what? If we hold that by a child, again, it's a dispute, but if you were to hold by a child... We can let them do whatever they want. We don't have to stop them. We can't actively give it to them, but we don't have to stop them. The same thing would apply by a deaf mute, which is actually interesting because a deaf mute is also a bit different because you, one might have made the argument, you could have made the argument to say that by a child we have to stop them, but not by a deaf mute because a child is naturally going to become an adult. So maybe for the purposes of educating them, they have to. we have to stop them. Uh, one could have made the argument that by a cherish, by a deaf mute, unless uh, something changes, but it's not within the normal... Uh, events that will occur. So he will always be a deaf mute and he will never be obligated in the commandments. So you would have thought maybe we could be more lenient when it comes to a cherish, when it comes to deaf mute, but it doesn't seem like that. It seems like from the Gemara, <coughs> excuse me, that, they, that the Gemara equates a deaf mute to a child, which is interesting. So we don't have an answer from that case. But what about the next case? Tashma. What's the next case? You have Reuben and Shimon. Reuben and Shimon are married. Two brothers are married to two sisters. Reuben's married to Rachel. Shimon's married to Leah. In this case, however, Reuben and Shimon are healthy. It is Leah. Leah is the only one who's deaf mute. Rachel is not deaf mute, but Leah is a deaf mute. So what happens? Um, so it says as follows. We have the case here where Mais pikeach ba'chareshes, Mayas pikeach ba'pikachas. If Shimon dies. And Shimon's wife is Leah. Leah is the Chareshes, is the deaf mute. So what should Ruvain do? So in this case, just like last time, so Tetzim Mishum Achosisha. Because Ruvain is married to Rachel on a biblical level. Shimon was only married to Leah on a rabbinic level. So on a biblical level, Ruvain's wife's sister is Leah. So there's no Zika whatsoever. There's no Yibam. There's no Chalitza. Let her go marry whoever she wants. However, the complication is based Pikach Bapikachas. If Ruvain dies, Mayasa <clears throat> what now does Shimon do? Because Shimon now has a strong zika to Rachel, because it's Ruvain's wife, and that's on a biblical level. On a rabbinic level, his wife, Leah's sister, um, is Rachel. And so therefore, on a, biblical, on, on a rabbinic level, uh, they cannot do Yibam, but on a biblical level, it's stronger than the relationship that he has with his wife. So in this case, we say, what should you do? Um, he has to divorce his wife because his wife is sisters with the one that has a strong relationship with Zika and in this case he could do Chalitza to Ruvain's wife to Rachel because he is not a Cherish he's not deaf mute 
His sister-in-law, Rachel, is not a deaf mute, so he can do chalitza, but he has to divorce his wife. Singwar says, I understand. Why do they have to get divorced? Why does he have to divorce his wife? His wife is a chareshes. His wife is deaf mute. So here the answer is, It's because of him. He is not a deaf mute. His wife is a deaf mute. Leah is a deaf mute, but he is not a deaf mute. So then it makes sense that they, they can't stay married because he has a prohibition. Even if you want to take the position that we don't have to worry about her, she can do whatever she wants, but that's because she's a deaf mute, but he's not a deaf mute, and so therefore they would have to get divorced. <coughs> but perhaps the proof could come from this last case. Tashma. Reuven and Leah, sorry, Reuven and Shimon are two brothers. They marry Rachel and Leah, two sisters. Reuven marries Rachel and they're both fine. Shimon marries Leah and they are both deaf mute. So what happens in that case? So if Shimon is the one that dies, so just like we said in the last couple of cases, Reuven, his wife is on a biblical level, and so therefore his wife's sister is a strong connection on a biblical level, and so therefore they are totally exempt from Yibam and Chalitza. She can marry whoever, whoever she wants. However, if Shimon dies, what could Reuven do? Um, so, sorry. Um, sorry, the next case. If Reuven dies, so then what should Shimon do? Because Shimon is married to his wife Leah on a rabbinic level, but there's a biblical obligation to do Zika. There's a Zika connection to Reuven's wife, who's Rachel. So in that case, what do you do? So in that case, says the Gemara, So he's forbidden to his own wife because his the Ziga connection to Rachel is stronger and so therefore he cannot stay married to Rachel's sister, to Leah. He has to divorce Leah. And in addition to that, he cannot even do, he can't do Yibam to Rachel because on a rabbinic level, it's his wife's sister. And he cannot do Chalitza because he's a Cherish. He's a deaf mute. A deaf mute can't do Chalitza. So his 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 brother, Ruvain's wife, Rachel, is now cannot do even more chalitza. She's stuck. She can't do anything and she can't get married to anybody else either. It's a mess, just like in the first case. But what's different here is that we we tell uh, Shimon and Leah that they have to get divorced even though both of them are deaf mute. Over here, both of them are deaf mute. And we say here too that they have to get divorced. Why do they have to get divorced? Shouldn't we say that they could do whatever they want? We don't We don't have to be on top of them. Just like by a child, we don't have to be on top of the child. So too here, we don't have to be on top of them. And they could stay married because they're not obligated in the commandments anyways. So isn't this a proof that we we do have to take charge and we do have to prevent them from violating the Torah? I think my answer is no. Amr of Shmaya, Gezerim, Mishom, Ataris, Yavam, No. It's true. In an ordinary case, we would say that um, we don't have to stop them. Why do we have to stop them in this case? In this case, we have to stop them because there's a separate concern. If they're able to stay married, people are going to say, why are they able to stay married? Not because they're deaf-mute and we don't have to stop them. Uh, the reason why they're staying married is because really, uh, it's his wife's... It, it, there's, there, there's no Yibam here because there's a, a, it's his wife's sister and the wife's sister is sort of out of the picture now Rachel is out of the picture, and we're concerned that Rachel is now going to go ahead and marry somebody else. But you can't marry anybody else, because Rachel is really stuck. 
Rachel is stuck because she can't do Yibam, she can't do Chalitza, but she has to do something because it's a Zika. So she can't do anything, and so she's stuck. And so we're afraid that people are going to say, oh, she can then go ahead and get married, which would be a negative commandment. She's not allowed to go ahead and get married. And so to prevent what people will think, we'll say, oh, now they have to get divorced. So even though in general, you could take the position that uh, we don't stop them, they could do whatever they want, uh, and we're not going to stop them. In this case, it's different because Rachel also has to be taken into consideration. And if people see that Shimon and Leah are staying married, they'll think that, oh, it's because Rachel is totally out of the picture. It's Shimon's wife, Leah's sister, and she's out of the picture. She can go marry whoever, whomever she wants. And it's not true. She can't marry anybody she wants. And so therefore, to make sure that uh, people don't get confused, we say they have to get divorced. This concludes the, the parak, the chapter. Uh, and in the end of the day, we still have these two different positions. According to Halacha, we follow the position that we do not have to stop them. Again, there are exceptions to the rule. If they know that you want it, uh, you have to. Uh, so then you can't let them do it. You cannot actively give it to them, uh, but uh, you you do not have to. Uh, you do not have to stop them. We conclude this chapter, and then we continue on to the last two chapters of Yevamos. We are uh, we are very very close to the end. We have uh, a, a few weeks, four weeks in each chapter, and uh, it really changes uh, the discussion. The discussion right now is going to now go back to a discussion that we've had in the past about what happens if somebody dies and you don't have sufficient witnesses, what could you rely upon, what could you not rely upon, and uh, that's really the main focus of the last two chapters. Not really Yavamus related in the sense of Yibam, uh, but going back to that discussion about what happens if somebody passes away, at, or, or we think they passed away, but we don't have sufficient evidence. Okay, we'll continue with the next chapter in the next recording.